Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Caught by Green. It is a touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons and you're very welcome back here. Well, I was going to say the sewing room, but the sewing room is still gathering dust downstairs. It's missing its weekly podcasting sessions with me and the man on the other end of the line, the Skype line. It's uh, Nathan Palmer, everybody. How you doing, my son? It's another week, another week from um, from the distance of Belsize Park to Kentish Town. But I've got a feeling that it won't be too long until um, until we're having a, a nice menabria together in your in your household. Oh, really? That's the first I've heard of it, mate. Have you not heard of social <laughs> I've, distancing? <laughs> I've invited myself around next week. Oh, I've really? Word, have you? Now? I've had a word with uh, with your landlord. I'm popping round. All right. Hope you get it. I hope you realise that we've got a new sort of full body disinfectant process when you when anybody comes into the house now really mm. was it like biohazard it's like it's like a car wash where you have to take all your clothes off <laughs> and you're have sprayed you, have, you, have you implemented that selfishly of you <laughs> yes i i just do it to myself every morning just for uh, sexual <laughs> gratification anyway Good morning, afternoon or evening. Uh, we haven't got a lot to talk about, although we do have a special guest uh, this week. It's uh, the Cincinnati Inquirer's Tyler Dragon making his debut on on this here thing. So stand by for a bit of uh, Tyler, hot Tyler action. Um, but how have you been, Nathan, before we get to all that? You know, we, listeners like to know how you've been getting on in lockdown and what you've been up to. I've been all right, my son. Um, it's been I've got a new uh, little roof terrace in my house. I've been able to. It's been quite nice to um, get settled and have um, some drinks up on a terrace in the evening and get a bit of fresh air. You know, as opposed to people. I think it's been difficult for people in lockdown having had gardens when you live in big cities and the rent prices are astronomical. You know, that's sort of the unfortunate reality of the situation. Yeah. But you know, we've got a nice <laughs> little terrace now, so. I've been enjoying some Menabrias upstairs, which has been nice. Um, Serie A's restarted. I'm a massive Serie A fan, so I'm watching a bit of that. Watching a bit of the Premier League. Saw Sheffield United get absolutely tanked 3-0, which I enjoyed after <laughs> Jamie's drubbing of me last week. So, yeah, all in all, it's been not too bad at the moment. How about yourself, my son? Uh, yeah, nothing too much to report. I watched a bit of the Premier League, but I got bored quite quickly, really. Um I don't know. It's, it takes a isn't bit of time it funny to... that crowd? The crowd noise really does make a big difference, you know. It yeah, really yeah, does. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Because I listen to, I actually prefer listening to football on the radio than watching it, which sounds strange, but I do. Um, and they didn't have any crowd noise on the radio at all. But then when you see kind of you know the live games, they were uh, pumping crowd noise on the broadcast, not into the stadium, but on the broadcast, which is quite interesting. I thought. Yeah, do, do you know what's really interesting? This is getting a bit like you know philosophical and sort of mathematical here. But like, oh, here we go. It's quite early for that, isn't it? <laughs> you, you know what I thought was interesting with obviously betting odds, right? They haven't changed for home advantage, and I thought that they would because obviously you think if you've got a home crowd there, sort of lifting the team, and there's always that like twelfth man, Seattle Seahawks, you know, crowd behind you, willing you on and stuff. You think that might have an impact? Yeah on teams playing at home in terms of their likelihood of winning the game. But the bookies have seemed to just ignore that at the moment and very much just be like, actually, you know, it's more just a case of the familiarity of being at home and knowing the size of the pitch and how you play on that and just feeling comfortable, which has been interesting because there's always been that sort of hoo-ha around, you know, what the factors that make you more likely to win a home game than an away game, you know. Mm -hmm. A bit of sports psychology there. Well, you just drop that in willy nilly. That's uh, impressive for this time of the evening. Um, <laughs> for this time of the podcast, <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, okay, so we so we haven't got an awful lot to talk about. Um, let's just run through some news. Rodney Anderson is running at full speed, and Dan Hall did a terrific uh, interview with him 
on the Bengals Booth podcast. And um, good news. Where do you see Rodney Anderson fitting into the uh, the equation? They didn't really... I think they, they re-signed Perrine, didn't they? And they... There's an undrafted free agent uh, rookie uh, who is supposed to be quite good. Um, well, for an undrafted free agent, that is. Um, where do you see the running back room this year? And, um, you know, there is a scenario, of course, that, I don't know, Mixon might be holding out for a little while and Rodney, Rodney Anderson suddenly becomes quite important. Well, I, I, let's let's start with that about the mix and holdout because I mean a lot of people and a lot I think a few journalists and people around the team were very much hinting at the fact that they strongly thought that Joe Mixon was going to hold out or is going to hold out and it's been very quiet on that front. I mean, no one's actually sort of come out and said anything really. You haven't heard much from him or his agent or anything like that. So. Unless maybe a deal's being worked on and they're getting close and they don't want to sort of flame it up at the moment, I don't know. But you know, what are you, what's your opinion on if they if you think number one there will be a holdout by Mixon and number two, you know, do you see him getting signed? Like where where are you with that? Um, yes, to both actually. I think there will be a bit of a holdout for for Mixon. Um, I to, to the point that he misses games or just well, no, I I'm not sure whether. I'm not sure whether um, he'll miss games or not, but certainly in training camp, if it, you know, we're, we're obviously talking as if training camp is going to happen and everything's going to go, you know, on. We're talking as though everything's going to go to plan in terms of starting the season in September, but yeah, you're right. Everything that uh, the media has said points to the fact that. Um, uh, Mixon was is going to hold out. I think he was planning to hold out last year, but he got the year wrong apparently, <laughs> and uh, and then had to come back to training camp. Um, but yeah, I, I I think from what again from what you read, the Bengals really like him. He's had two good, two really good years, hasn't he? Um, uh, and you would hope that that upward curve continues. He's certainly got the the uh, the talent I think um, but yeah in terms of I'm not sure how far the Bengals will will be willing to go in terms of money um, maybe 13 14 million to- absolute tops um, well they've, they've got some real big players and you know not to diverge from the subject but they've obviously got to consider AJ Green that's another deal that you know is being looked upon and then obviously you've got John Ross and I mean, at the moment, you'd be reluctant to pay John Ross, but you know, if he has a massive year this year, there's an obviously a chance that the Bengals might. Well, he'll think. he'll become a free agent, you know, and the Bengals no, are I not know. Yeah, yeah. are not ne- at the end of the season. The Bengals will not get into a bidding war, even if he has a fantastic year. I'm sure they're not going to get into a bidding war for John Ross because they would would have just signed uh, AJ and, and Mixon to all being well to longer term contracts you know I, 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 I think I think this is Ross's last season in stripes I really do and you know it'd be great if he has a great season both for him and the team because if he's doing well generally speaking it means that the team's doing quite well you know um, but in terms of mixing yeah I expect him to kind of hold out a little bit unless they can get something sorted quite quickly you never know you know um, I think I personally think that oh, I think they will get a deal done with Mixon. I think they like what he brings in the locker room. And, you know, I think he's a real fan. I mean, if you look around, I think Mixon might be the most sort of fan favourite player out there at the moment, Mm. Um, obviously aside from Burrow now. But I think they probably will get a deal done with him. I personally wouldn't do it. I just think paying running backs is always such a risky business. And, you know, Mm. you're talking about Rodney Anderson, which was the original point of our conversation that you can just find players like that across the league that can just step in and be very productive. And I think, you know, Mixon's had some good games and albeit he has played behind, you know, a pretty pretty poor offensive line for the last two years. But I just, if you're talking about like top, you know, you're talking about they're like 13 million a year. To me, it's like, Cole, we're already paying Gio a lot of money. Mm. And to be paying two running backs, that sort of money. I mean, I don't think either one yet, certainly not Mixon. I'm uh, sorry, certainly not Gio. Um, but I don't think Mixon's a top five running back yet. And unless you've got a perennial top five running back, I just wouldn't be thinking about 
paying them big money. I just I just think, you know, especially with running backs and age and how long they can be productive for. I mean, I remember we had Jeremy Hill one year, one of his first years, and he was absolutely phenomenal. I remember there was that game we had on the watch party where he mm. made that run against Denver and the speed and the power, and he looked like an absolutely fantastic player for us. Um, and very quickly, almost just next year, for no reason whatsoever, he just lost his pace. I don't know if it was an injury. I don't know if it was confidence issue. I don't know. But he just never looked like the same player, and now he's out of the league. And, you know, I just think you've got to be really careful playing running backs. It's There's a lot of risk with injury. There's a lot of risk that... You know, they, the play drops off or they get a fumbling issue or you, if, effectively you can just get a younger, fitter, more exciting guy cheaply in the third or fourth round, you know. So I don't know. I'd just be wary. I really would. Well, my con- counter-argument to that, I would pay Mixon. I'd, I'd line him up for a three-year deal, I think. Because you're going to get him, and I agree, it is a risk. If anything, it's potentially the riskiest position to pay someone just because of the the amount of phys- physical punishment that a running back takes and as you mentioned how quickly things can change um but you look at Mixon he's been fairly durable he has missed games uh some games in each of the last couple of seasons but he's you know last year well, was it last year or the year before I can't remember he's an AFC rushing champion you know um and as you said and that's that's behind a pretty average offensive line um I think he is worth paying. I think they've got the money. Uh, I think they like him. Uh, I think they're getting him at, you know, in his prime years. You know, so it's in terms of risk, it's about as lesser risk as you're going to have for a running back. I think if he was like late twenties, then absolutely not. Um, and if money's a problem, then you have to get rid of Geo, to be honest with you, because he's just not being used enough. Um, to to justify that amount of money, you know. Well, I think if you, I think the issue, I think where they like Geo is in the passing game. I think that's what he offers you. I think he's a better blocker than Mixon, and he's. I think they prefer him out of the backfield. So I think unless Mixon can take that role on, which he may well be able to, um, if given the chance, but I think they're going to need to see that before they're comfortable um, letting Geo go. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head Geo's cap hit, but I know it's you know it's peculiarly high for the amount they used him last year. Yeah. So it's to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it will certainly be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Mixon was great at uh, catching passes out of the backfield when he came out at college, you know. So they haven't really used him out of the backfield too much. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but I'm intrigued about Rodney Anderson. He flashed in pre-season last year. And, but, of course, it's the durability for Rodney. Uh, he's had some horrific luck with injuries and he's coming back from his second ACL, I believe. Uh, he's had a broken back and all sorts. So you talk about durability and and punishment that a running back takes. Um, Rodney Anderson has endured it all. Uh, another quick uh, news bite before we get to um, our special guest is uh, the fact that um, Paul Dana Jr. wrote a really interesting article uh, about how the Bengals are using Zoom culture uh, to conduct their team meetings, and it sounded really interesting, actually. Um, the fact that Zach Taylor kind of and Brian Callahan kind of address all the offense, and then they kind of mute everyone or create little side rooms where Burrow and his center Trey Hopkins can chat things through and watch plays and all the rest of it, because of course that relationship between a centre and a quarterback is absolutely crucial especially for a rookie quarterback who's going to be under centre a lot more than he than he's ever been used to I guess and uh, and then the uh, Paul goes on to uh, describe how Zach will uh, have Joe Burrow on FaceTime as well so when he needs to speak to him privately he can kind of ask Joe to mute conversations on zoom and then address him privately via facetime it really is a new brave new world isn't it well it's interesting isn't it our teams are having to like pivot at the moment and change the way that they um the learn and they sort of educate players and obviously integrate players with people like joe burrow coming in and stuff like that so 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, especially with some of these. I mean, Zach Taylor's a young guy, and I'm not saying some of the older coaches in the league aren't up to scratch with, you know, the modern technology and stuff, but it's certainly going to be for head coaches that maybe, you know, got very rigid, uh, regimented systems that they use. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt um, to the new cir- situations and circumstances, because obviously, Zach Taylor, young guy, comes across as quite an innovative, sort of wants to build the chemistry up in the team. So, yeah, good opportunity for him, I guess. Mm. Can you imagine Marvin? That's probably a bit unfair. I'm sure Marvin would be fine. But, I mean, can you imagine Marvin getting to grips with all this strange technology? He'd be sending his players letters, wouldn't he? He'd be sending Joe Burrow a letter <laughs> in the post. Be faxing each like, other and what And then Burrow would have to forward the letter on to Trey Hopkins and it just go around <laughs> like that. Oh dear, I'm sure Marvin would be fine with it all. It's I not miss Marvin. If, if Zach Taylor doesn't win four games this year, I'm I'm calling for Marvin to come back. You're back on the, you, okay, right. Okay. I don't, honestly, mate, I'd take it. I just wouldn't care anymore. If Zach Taylor won like two games this year and they fired him, I I'd be back in for Marvin, mate. I just wouldn't care anymore. That'd be it. I'd have him back. <laughs> Something else that's been going around today, which has been quite fun, some uh, person, I don't know who, has created what he's calling the true NFL divisions. Now, it's one of the uh, anomalies of the NFL where the teams geographically don't quite fit into their divisions. So you look at Dallas, kind of in Texas, in slap bang in the middle. Dallas, did you say that? Dallas. Dallas. I didn't say, I didn't say Dallas. I said Dallas. 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 Oh, you know Dallas. Um, they're in the NFC East, which I've never quite understood. You know Miami. Uh, yes, they're in the AFC East and they're on the East Coast, but I mean they're way down south. They're not even you know up in that area where the Bills and the Patriots and the Jets are. So anyway, some. Some uh, person has come up with true NFL divisions, and I'm going to cu- I'm going to read them out and see what you think. All right? Yeah. AFC East, the Bulls, the Patriots, the Giants, and the Jets. So two New York teams in there. Um, Miami goes out of that division, and the Giants come in from the NFC East. Again, makes sense geographically to me. You know, I don't know. So it would it be the two New York teams, the Bills, and, and who else? The, and the Patriots. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. That'd be ferocious rivalries, wouldn't it? You've got two yeah. New Yorks, Boston and New York, bit of rivalry there. And um, who's the other one, sorry? <laughs> Guy, are you paying attention? No, oh, I am, I am. I am paying attention. It's, like, it's, it's almost as if you've got a Serie A game on your, on your phone in the background. <laughs> almost. I don't know it's what it's almost like that, isn't it? <laughs> Go on, tell the listeners what you've got on in the background. I've got a uh, Bologna versus Juventus. God, this First is what I had to put it with. It's been a fiery affair. This a is lot a... of challenges flying him. There you go. This is what no, I had to... Sorry, the two New York teams. I've said it before, man. Are you... And the Patriots. And then who else? The Bills. The Bills. And who else? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I'm up for that. That'd be a... I think they... Because they don't really utilise the sort of... You know how, like, in the UK, like, you've got Jamie and Dadders. One's a Sheffield United fan, one's a Sheffield Wednesday fan. This is Jamie Rowe and Peter Daswell, two yeah, long-time followers. Two of our loyal, loyal friends in the Bengals community. Now, they hate each other's football teams. Hate them. Like, you know, there's a real, like, rivalry there of, like, teams from the same city. The same with Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool and Everton, Tottenham and Arsenal, and so forth. But you don't have that in the NFL, really. You don't like. There's not like a hatred, really. I don't think as much between. Well, like the, I don't know if you put a, a Bengals fan and a Steelers fan in the same room. I'm no, sure. No, 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 not, not like that. But I mean, in the same city. So if you really, like, I do, yeah, no, I suppose that's true because there's only two. There's only two like that. There's New York and LA. Yeah, but they, there's no real like. Neither one of them are particularly like. You know, there's not really that. They're not. They only play each other once every four years, don't they? The mm. New York teams. Well, now. And, it, the LA teams are a bit sort of faddy and no one really knows who supports them yet. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, well, it's just I mean, now the, now's the chance for this, this rearranging of the divisions to have the Jets and the Giants uh, a, a real humdinger of a local derby twice a year. That'd be fantastic. No, absolutely. And obviously for the fans, it's great as well because you don't have yeah. to travel that far and, you know, everyone would love it. Right, the AFC South, the Dolphins... Moving from the east down to the south, which again makes total sense geographically. 
the Saints move over from the NFC South. Yeah. The Texans and the Bucks again moving over from the Texans. NFC. That's a bit. They're yeah. quite western. Now. I suppose they're south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, right. Houston and New Orleans aren't too far from each other. No, and then, uh, if you look along that sort of south coast, there you've got from west to east, you've got uh, Houston, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Miami. I think that's a quite a that's a nice. Uh, that's just nice, isn't it? Um, <laughs> AFC West, the Broncos already there, the Raiders already there, the Cardinals come over from the NFC, yeah. and then the Cowboys come over from the NFC East. Uh, again, it, I mean Dallas is a bit of a tricky one because they're in the middle of nowhere geographically almost, but I I can see that working. You know that's yeah. all in a kind of triangle. I can see on the map. Mm-hmm. And then the AFC North, get this, the Colts, who come up from the AFC South, which again makes sense geographically, the Lions come over from the NFC North, Yeah. the Browns and the Bengals. Interesting, interesting. I take that all day long in terms of, again, geographically and and there's a better chance of winning this bloody division as well. <laughs> uh, NFC East, now this is an absolute... Dinger, this one. The Ravens, who again makes sense. The Eagles, very close to uh, Baltimore or wh- whatever you're calling it today. Um, Pittsburgh and the Redskins. So again, God, the Redskins wouldn't fancy that, would they? They would not. I mean, that's a heck of a division, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. NFC North: the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears. So they stay the sh- same. And a little bit of a wild card here. Until you see it on the map, um, the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting. 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 See, I think the Chiefs would be also a... I mean, they could be a a candidate for the AFC North if you wanted the Lions to stay in the NFC North and the Chiefs would come into the the North Division for the AFC because we don't want them there because we want to win the division. Anyway... um, NFC South, the Titans, the Jaguars, so they two AFC South teams going over to the NFC. The Falcons and the Panthers, so two teams already in that division. Again, geographically makes uh, more or less perfect sense, I would say. And then the NFC West, the 49ers, the Seahawks, already there, of course. Um, But then you get the two LA teams as well, the Chargers and the Rams in the NFC West. Again, geographically, it makes sense. Um, I guess the issue for having the two LA teams and the two New York teams in the same division would be that four of your 16 games would be in the home stadium and you couldn't accommodate the home season ticket holders particularly easily, could you? Would that be the issue? uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But geographically, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind we're... of funny though, again, isn't it? Because it's like you think, like, I mean, you think about the Bengals and the Colts. Because I mean, the, Indianapolis is only, if I'm right in saying, about three or four hours from Cincinnati, isn't it? It's not far. Yeah, I mean, not even that. It's a couple. Yeah, about three hours away, maybe. Yeah, and you just think there's no right. I know we play a preseason game against them, obviously every year, the fourth yeah, game, yeah. to make it it's an easy sort of, you know, bust down the road type job. But like, there's no rivalry there. If we play the Colts, is there? Like, absolutely none. Well, not really, but there could be. Yeah. Just you like know. kick, cause a bit of trouble, like go up, to, go up to Indianapolis and turn some fans over. Do you know what I mean? Like spark a bit of a rivalry. Well, you know? no, there's enough rioting in the world at the moment, Nathan, <laughs> without you coming along and saying, come on, my son, let's have some. We just get Sam Hubbard yeah. leaving, leaving elbowing on Philip Rivers, you know, just, just sort of <laughs> kick it off a bit. Goodness me. Obviously, listeners, we don't advocate violence of any kind. Uh, some, more, some other wag has um, done something far more... Um, Thematic, um, I would say. Uh, he or she has done a big cats division in the AFC. So you've got the Bengals, Jaguars, uh, Lions, and Panthers. The hoofed mammals division. <laughs> the Broncos, the Chargers, the Colts, and the Rams. The avian division: Cardinals, Eagles, Falcons, and Ravens. The wet and wild division: Bears, Bills, Dolphins, and Seahawks. I'm all over the wet and wild, mate. Um, either, either that or the hoofed mammals. I could say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the non-animal football conference, 
So that was the AFA, which stands for the Animal Football Conference, the non-Animal Football Conference. <laughs> the industry decision, decision, division, uh, was is the Cowboys, the Jets, the Packers, and the Steelers. The looting yeah. and pillaging division, the Buccaneers, Patriots, <laughs> Raiders, and Vikings. Very good. The mythical division, the Browns, the Giants, the Saints, and the Titans. Well, I'm not quite sure what is uh, mythical about a Brown. Um, and the historical division, the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Redskins, and the Texans. Very good, whoever did that. That, well that is done. very impressive, actually. I'd be more up for that than the geographical one. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think, in all seriousness, do you think there's any possibility of them realigning the divisions going forward? I mean, obviously they've always been talking about potentially expanding the league and mm-hmm. all of that great and good stuff. But, I mean, do you, do you well, think there's any I mean, possibility? I think there is a possibility, and that's just me guessing, obviously. Um, um, I wonder what the post-COVID world is going to look like. And if there's a an opportunity to play more local derbies... Uh, to play teams twice a year that are a bus ride away rather than a than a than a plane ride away, um, they might take that because they might want to kind of cut down on on travel. You know, um, I don't know. Uh, that, I really like those divisions. Actually, geographically, they make total sense to me. Um, but yeah, no, we'll see. Exciting times. Exactly. Anyway, joining us now is this week's special guest. I'm thrilled to say that the Cincinnati Inquirer's Bengals correspondent, Tyler Dragon, making his first appearance on Cincinnati, is joining us now. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, the sun is shining in London and uh, things obviously still bubbling away uh, around the world. Where are you? Where have you been locked down? Have you been in Cincinnati or back home? Yeah, I am uh, in lockdown in uh, Cincinnati. I've been quarantining here for a while, since uh, March, pretty right. much. Yeah. I did have a chance to uh, get back uh, to my hometown uh, in California at the beginning of March before um, the pandemic really uh, took uh, head. So I had a chance to see family and all, but now it's, you know, most important thing is make sure uh, – family and friends are staying healthy and you know social distancing and when they do go out wear masks and yeah. try to stay healthy and uh sanitary because you know we're in uh unprecedented times right now we certainly are and there are worse places to be quarantined in i guess you've been you've been in cincinnati for about a year longer than a year just coming up to a year would that be right to say yeah, uh, a little bit longer than a year. And yes, there are definitely a worse places to uh, be quarantined right now. Uh, luckily, um, I have a great place to live and uh, cable TV that I can watch 24-7. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I'm not bored at all. But, you know, I can't wait, like everybody else, to be able to go outside and have, a, you know, just have a sense of normalcy. And, you know, you go outside with not thinking, you know, wearing a mask and practicing social distancing is sure. necessary, of course, right now. But, you know, I think we're all kind of getting uh, antsy a little bit in our homes right now. Hmm. Well, let, let's stay on the cheery subject to the pandemic. Um, we've seen pictures of uh, coaching staff, Zach Taylor, entering the facility all masked up and kind of ready to go. What's your sense about the whole movement to start the NFL season in September. Do you get a feel of, I mean, where, where are the Bengals? I mean, they're obviously diligently following guidelines, uh, but do you get a sense that things are going to start on time in September? Man, that that is a, a great question. And if I were to say that they uh, are going to start, I, I would be lying. I, I don't think anybody knows right now. We're honestly all on a day-to-day basis uh, at this point in time. Uh, this is a, a novel uh, virus, which means we have never seen it before. Um, so it, things change rapidly every day. Last week, um, I was looking at the numbers on TV, and the state of Ohio, the uh, numbers were steady. Now they um, are on the rise, and then that's just within a week. 
<laughs> so, yeah. and you know, across the NFL, I believe there are 23 states in the United States uh, where their numbers are rising. So, pertaining to the NFL, I know they are um, in the second phase of their reopening process. Coaches are allowed to come back in. Um, the Bengals coaching staff has been in their facility. They have Purell everywhere. I've, I've heard they still practice uh, social distancing, and they've been communicating with players uh, via Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week was the uh, final week of the Veterans Virtual Offseason uh, program, and this week is the um, last week for the rookies before they take off mm-hmm. from vacation. And, you know, the big question mark is if training camp's going to get underway. And I always tell people, I, I honestly believe, I hate to be pessimistic, but football probably has the hardest road at returning. Um, one of the main reasons is I've been in NFL locker room for a while, and I have never been in a locker room where it's just one person right. sick, one person with a cold, <laughs> or one person with the flu. Mm. Football players are in very close in proximity. They're very close to each other. They share meeting rooms and showers. Um, they're obviously in the field together. They're hitting each other. You cannot socially distance from football. And on top of that, training camp you can have as many as 90 people um, on the team and that's not counting the coaching staff the the training staff and everybody else involved Mm -hmm. so to have that many people when you're in the middle of a pandemic that's going to be a tough challenge for everyone involved so it's all going to be dependent on that there's mass testing in football and also uh, where society is um in this pandemic um, about a month from now. Um, I can say I know the NFL is doing everything that they can to start training camp in a season on time. Mm. There are contingency plans in place if that is not going to happen. But it's as good as anybody. It's a guessing game right now. Nobody really knows what is going to happen. But I can say that the NFL is doing everything that they can to um, start the season on time, as well as all the other sports. Um, the NBA uh, was supposed to start in uh, late July. Teams are, um, they have a bubble. I don't know if you guys know, but they have a, um, yeah, yeah. a bubble set up in uh, Orlando, Florida, um, the Disney World Sports Complex. That's so going to be the craziest story ever, though. the NBA playing in a bubble <laughs> in Disney World. Yeah. That's insane. Um, and... and and mind you, Florida is, uh, their experts are saying it could be the new epicenter for the coronavirus uh, in the United States. And wow. so you have everybody uh, converging down there in Orlando. Meanwhile, um, the, the population of Florida is being really infected with uh, mm. the coronavirus. So it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, we've mm. never uh, seen this before, at least uh, in, in, in my lifetime and many of our lifetimes. And it, it, it it's all with all due respect to the coaches and the owners and everything. They they do want to get back, and I do believe that it would make us all feel better for sports to return and give us something uh, to be excited about, something to cheer for during uh, these times. But it's going to be a challenge. It, yeah. it is going to be a challenge, no question about it. Right. Let's uh, let's not, let's not carry on down this negative route. Um, Although it's obviously a very real thing and I don't want to denigrate the importance of it all. But let's just pretend for a moment that everything's going to plan and there is going to be a start in September. When you came to Cincinnati, when what did you expect? And then what did you find out? Were the Bengals as awful last year as the record suggested? And I just, I'm interested in... You were there, you know, you've been there, as you say, in the locker rooms, at the the press conferences around the players and the coaches. Um, it's, it's it's interesting to get an insight from you, what kind of happened last year and, and what you were expecting when you first came to Cincinnati. Well, okay, so two-part question there. So I expected the Bengals to be around 5 and 11 Six and ten. I right. think best case scenario was eight and eight that um, I had the Bengals. So to finish two and fourteen, that was uh, surprising to me. But based on how things transpired all throughout the season, it 
it, it was pretty much inevitable. And you can start when Jonah Williams suffered a season-ending uh, injury, the first-round uh, pick left tackle. Then Clint Boyne, um, when he suddenly retired. Mm-hmm. And then the very first day of training camp, the best player on the team, A.J. Green, goes down to what turns out turned out to be a season-ending left ankle injury. Mm-hmm. So you have pretty much theoretically three starters right there on offense going down or retiring and you're not going to have in 2019 with a first year head coach who is not only um, having this uh, first year in experience, but he's also being a play caller in the NFL for the first time. So Zach Taylor had a a lot of uh, responsibilities and it it was big shoes to fill. I know uh, people uh, got tired of Marvin Lewis, but you know, Marvin Lewis, had a competitive team year in and year out when uh, he was the coach. And, you know, when Zach Taylor got there, it was just a, a lot for him, a lot for him to digest with all the responsibilities that he had. And it would be a lot for anybody, especially, you know, those the players of that caliber going down. Mm-hmm. So I did think that they would um, win some more games. But the good news for Bengals fans, eight of their losses were one-score games. Mm-hmm. And if you turn around maybe half of those, then okay, you six and ten, and that six and ten is not a good record by any means. But it's not you're not the laughing stock of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year they have AJ Green coming back. He's uh, healthy and training down in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, they hope. They have a new franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow who is excited to be a Bengals quarterback and excited to be in Cincinnati. T. Higgins um, is a, was a steal in the second round. Um, the Bengals believe that he can be a, a future number one or number two type receiver. So there is optimism in uh, Cincinnati on the offense end and on the defense end. They pretty much uh, signed um, five starters in free agency from uh dj reader to von bell to trey wayne mm-hmm. the, the, the Bengals did um uh, <laughs> an admiral job in free agency to say the least they uh, uh were out of character and spent a lot of cash during the offseason and um hopefully those free agents for their sake uh pay off because they certainly need it the I'm not breaking any news here. The AFC North <laughs> is a very tough d- division, and the Baltimore Ravens are Super Bowl contenders for the foreseeable future. So they have their hands full. Mm. What did you make of Zach last year, uh, Tyler? What kind of guy was he? We've had him on the podcast before, and he's full of positivity and energy. But what were you impressed with his man management skills last year? Obviously, as you say, first-time head coach, he was... In some situations, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that even he was learning on the job as well and and, and, and thrust into this kind of crazy situation, like you say, with Jonah going down, AJ going down, Clint Bowling, who we always all forget that he retired out of the blue with a very serious or potentially serious health condition. Um, how How did you think Zach did in terms of kind of keeping that ship just about afloat last year? Well, he did a tremendous job of keeping the locker room together. There was never any bickering. Uh, there weren't guys pointing at each other. The locker room was extremely close, and that is a testament to Zach Taylor. He always had a positive attitude. He was upbeat, uh, regardless of uh, the losses that kept on happening week after week after week. And, you know, he kept the team with their, their head up high, even though – that you know, they were the worst team in the NFL and they were looking at the bigger picture. They know that uh, they're in a, a rebuild and throughout last season, even though they were frustrated and they were admittedly frustrated, um, they saw the bigger picture and wanted to get better each, each game. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, there were positive signs um despite you know a couple hiccups here and there there were positive signs that you saw from this team uh and 
they did play hard. You had to give them credit. Like, like I said, eight of their losses were one-score games, so it wasn't like they were giving up mm. on Zach Taylor at all. They were uh, fighting week in and week out, and that was the word that you heard in the locker room every single week, that despite the losses, the team was still fighting and fighting for wins. Um, let's bring it right up to date, Tyler. Um, as you say, a lot of Bengals uh, fans are optimistic because of the free agency splurge and the the good-looking draft class this year. Um, what are you hearing? What's the latest from PBS? Are we are they are they looking into signing Larry Warford? Any other players you think might be coming and going, especially with the the number one waiver pick uh, or picks potentially? Um, what's the latest gossip from PBS? I would be uh, very surprised if they added another player at this point. I know everybody uh, really wants Larry Wolford, but I, I doubt that he will be added to the roster. Uh, the Bengals did pretty much all their moves at the beginning and uh, middle of free agency. so And they're pretty much right now trying to see if they can get a long-term deal done with A.J. Green before the July 15th deadline. And also, you can't forget about Joe Mixon, mm. who is also on uh, his expiring rookie deal and is uh, eager to get paid like one of the top running backs in the NFL. So their focus is turned to um, retaining uh, their top talent. Um, if, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to get a long-term deal done with A.J. Green before that July 15th deadline. I was going to ask you, why do you – sorry to interrupt, Tyler. Why do you – I was going to ask you, why, if you had to put your money on whether A.J. was going to sign a deal before that July deadline, uh, you've just answered that question. What, why do you say that they're are – they, are they so far apart in terms of negotiations? Is that why you say that? Yeah, the last I heard, they were still far apart in negotiations. Um, the Bengals, I believe, they want to see A.J. Green prove it on the field. He's been hurt often <laughs> yeah. uh, the last three years, yeah. and he hasn't played in a game since uh, December of 2018. Yeah. Um, so the Bengals, they want to see if he is still – one of the best receivers in the National Football League. Um, Green's mindset is obviously he believes in himself and he believes he's still a top-flight receiver in the NFL. But on the Bengals' side, they want to see it on the field before they you know, back up the Brinks truck and mm -hmm. give him um, a contract uh, worthy of one of the top receivers in the National Football League. I don't see that happening uh, just because uh, you know, he his injury history of late. Mm. And, you know, the, the Bengals have a lot of other um, players that they have uh, paid uh, this offseason in free agency. And then they also have Joe Mixon in mind, too, who is uh, arguably their second-best player uh, overall mm. um, behind A.J. Green. And he's rushed for over 1,000 yards the last two seasons. And he's a focal point of their offense. So, Bengals, they have some tough decisions looming um, here in the next uh, few weeks. But as far as A.J. Green, I, I just don't see them um, getting a long-term contract done with him before the deadline. Mm, interesting. Well, Tyler, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, look after yourself. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you again. I first met uh, Tyler in London last year. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was my uh, first time in London. It was a, a great experience, and it was uh, great meeting you down there uh, across the pond, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the time, Tyler. You take care of yourself, and do come back and talk to us again, yeah? Of course. Have, have me on any time. Okay, that was uh, Tyler Dragon. A huge thanks to Tyler. Good to speak with him again. We all met him last year in London. And um, a very nice man he is indeed. And he had some stuff to talk about there. Um, he's not sounding... You wouldn't call him Mr Optimistic when it comes to uh, starting the season on time there, would you? No, I mean, he, he might not be up to, uh, optimistic, but I think he's being realistic. Um, 
you know, I think there's time ticks on now, and obviously the case numbers in the US continue to peak. You're getting a lot of teams being tested now. I think I saw something today in the college ranks, a lot of players being tested, and the numbers coming back weren't fantastic at all. Um, it's not long. I mean, you know, we talked about it last week on the podcast about how long there is to go and how the preseason really sort of creeps up on you. I mean, we're right at the end of June, you've got July, and then pretty much straight into August. You're talking about training camp. You're talking about, um, you know, these preseason games, four preseason games that you, you just feel almost certainly would have to be cut down at a start. But I don't think the NFL should panic here. I mean, if you look at what, you know, has been achieved in the Premier League and um, Serie A and all these other leagues around Europe that have got a lot of games left, they've got to play them in the peak of the summer, and they've obviously got to worry about the start of next season. I mean, there's hardly ever a break in you know, football leagues in Europe anyway. There's about, what, a month, six weeks at most. <clears throat> the NFL's got real time up its sleeve here. If they were just to say, look, we can ride this out and start the season in November and run it through to the Super Bowl maybe at the beginning of April, push the draft back to May, you've still got a lengthy off-season. So I, I I just hope they don't condense the season. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't mind them postponing it for a month or two or... You know, if they were, I'm not sure what because they couldn't really play more than a game a week. You can't really take that much. So you'd have people's limbs hanging off their bodies. (laughs) Um, I think if they were to try and do like, you know, play three or four games, yeah, two or three games a week or something silly like that. But I I think that's the option because I just don't think you can start the season in September. I mean, the players haven't had any proper face time together yet. You've got to integrate rookies. It's a much more difficult system to learn than kicking a football around a pitch and trying to get everyone in the right spot. You know, all these different plays you've got to learn, the different signals, the calls, the blocking schemes, all this stuff. You know, we know how detailed the NFL is. And I just think that the league, sooner rather than later, should probably say, look, you know what, here, we've got a bit of time up our sleeves. Let's just push the season back by a month, see what happens, but with the aim really strongly of trying to play um, a full season and not cutting it down to 12, 10 games or anything silly like that. It is, you, um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's going to be really interesting though. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to have to be tested pretty much every day, um, which I think provisions are in place to do that in all major sports. But what happens if, say, on the Friday, Joe Burrow is like test positive? You know, he's asymptomatic because he's a healthy young lad, but uh, he tests positive. He's going to be taken out of that game. And there's going to be a lot of star players, I think, who, because, as Tyler mentioned, they're in, you know, especially going into preseason, there's, the roster is going to be like 90 men strong. And then you've got the coaching staff, which is an enormous yeah, uh, yeah. group of people. Um the odds aren't in their favour, I have to say. I hate, I hate to say it, in fact. but um, So there's going to be a lot of testing going on. It has to. And there is a chance that I think this might ha- this might be a great leveller in the most unfortunate way for a lot of teams in NFL. Because what happens if your star quarterback suddenly, out, you know, just through pure bad luck or whatever goes you know test positive he will be ruled out for seven days right um so you're gonna need you're gonna need a a pretty depthy squad to to cope with this i think um and i'm not sure everyone's gonna have a pretty depthy squad if i'm being honest with you so is is depthy a word no not really but you know it's crazy times (laughs) crazy times call for crazy words nathan depthy squad yeah i mean deep that's the word i was looking for i just have to call you out son when i hear some when i I hear a grammatical mistake from you i have to try and call it thanks um (laughs) jamie at trequart beaster we're gonna segue neatly into our (laughs) correspondence part of the show uh let's bring this one in straight away with covid seemingly out of control in the usa and with political leadership absent presumably beefing on twitter should we actively be mentally planning for a reduced or annulled season and might this play into the bengal's hands i think we've just spoken about that really uh, we're not going to I don't, I don't think it will play into the bengal's hands i think if anything the bengal's will be worse off you know joe burrow's not taken a snap yet and I mean, the way it's going at the moment, he's not going to for a while. So 
I, I, I do think having a rookie quarterback in a year like this, I mean, you could do all the Zoom calls you want. It doesn't. No, um, of course not. Of course It doesn't not. substitute for face to face contact and, you know, <laughs> making dialing stuff up on a board and like people really sort of meshing and building chemistry. I mean, you know, I don't know what people think about Zoom chats, but when you when you run them, they're fine and they get the job done. But I think it's very, very difficult to build chemistry. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I think, but I think the point stuff. is everyone's doing that at the moment. Yeah, but we've, so got, I, we've got we've got a young head coach and a complete got a lot of new free agents this year. We've got yeah, a rookie no, I agree, bag. I, I think that's the the bigger issue that we've got. But every team's got rookies. Every team has to do this. It's all about who can adapt the quickest. And as you used that word earlier, pivot. I quite like that word. Um, but I think it will be. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ryan Finley take a whole bunch of snaps this season. I really wouldn't. It's it's that kind of season. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's going to be a very, very interesting time. I mean, the, I, it's so fast, you know, fastly changing. I mean, they seem to be making it work at the moment in the European um, football league. So I'm just hopeful that you know they find a way in the NFL that works for everyone. It's not this sort of chop changing people in and out type job because I think that would be quite um, from an entertainment perspective. I'm not sure it would be that that nice. Indeed. Tyler also spoke about AJ Green. God, that doesn't sound too hopeful, does it? Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. The, we, we bemoan the fact that there's not a lot of news out there, but in a couple of weeks' time, we'll know whether the Bengals have signed AJ Green to a long-term contract. But also, you know, I'm going to have to defend the Bengals on this one. If you if you have a player that hasn't played... Yes, he's been fantastic and is a great guy, and we, you know, you love him as as a person and as a player. You know what he can do as a player, but if he's been injured for more or less two years, then I understand the reluctance of not paying him. I, I, I really do actually, um, and I think that's why they drafted T Higgins, almost a like just... for like, not as talented as AJ, obviously, but. You know, I don't know. It's going to be. Do you know? I agree. I agree with you, Sam. But you know, you know what? <laughs> you know what really worries me here is it kind of feels like the old Andrew Whitworth thing, doesn't it? It's like we let a club legend go, and I mean AJ Green. If he if he plays another couple of seasons and is productive, he's on pace for a Hall of Fame sort of career. Yeah, yeah. And he's not that old. I think he's like thirty-two. I think is he or something like that. Um, so you just kind of think to yourself, he could potentially have another sort of at least two, three very productive top caliber years. Mm. And you just see if we let him go and he ends up having those years at someone like, you know, the Eagles or the Lions or something like that. And he does well with them and wins a lot of games. We don't want to be sitting there. They've got our faces saying, look, this guy was, you know, an absolute um, unbelievable professional, incredible talent, wanted to retire here. Obviously, you know, when healthy, a very good player. Like, why are we taking another gamble here, letting him go for someone like T. Higgins, again, who, you know, we know nothing about. You know, he's highly regarded, but so was Jake Fisher mm. and so was Cedric Abwehi, hence their draft, you know, hence them being drafted in the first and second round. And we all know how that worked out. So I do just think we've got to be careful with AJ Green. I know, obviously, he's been injured and people are concerned about his durability going forward, but... I don't know. You know, he is a proven talent. He's a great guy. He's a good veteran locker room presence, a calm head, apart from when he's suplexing Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I, I would probably lean towards re-signing him. But I think the Bengals, like you said, have got a conundrum because he's not going to want to be cut. You know, he's not going to want to come for cheap, AJ Green. He's going to be looking at people like Julio Jones getting crazy money like that. And yeah. he's going to say, look, on my day, I'm as good as Julio Jones pay me um, accordingly and I think the Bengals are going to say well we, we ain't played for two years mate like you you know we, we want to see you have a healthy year and put up 1200 1300 yards before we're going to commit that sort of money and then you know that's, that's I guess the yeah it's the, a tricky one isn't it because I think uh, there is a difference between AJ and Whitworth Whitworth wasn't injured and was playing still to a high level so again that decision to to not there were concerns about his knee though in Whitworth because he not used much, to though. two not days much. a week yeah, but, but I think that's like that's the regular thing for a veteran of his oh, age yeah, yeah, to be honest yeah, yeah, yeah. but with AJ I fully understand it I have to say so I do think there is a 
a conundrum there. Uh, right, let's get to the questions. We're at Hooday uh, underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook. So do keep in touch uh, with us throughout the summer. Obviously, the crazy times. So hopefully, we can provide a, a certain amount of familiarity and sturdiness. We like to be pillars, rock hard pillars of the community. Wow. Um, <laughs> Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. Uh, crazy to think that it's been two months now since the draft. Sadly, I can't see how the NFL season will start on time. We are six weeks away from the start of preseason. I don't see how the season will be able to start on time, let alone with fans in the stadiums. Your thoughts? Well, I think we've gone over that enough, Killian. I think I think the the headline to all our nonsense chat is that we desperately want it back on time we hope it happens and a lot can happen and a lot has happened in two months uh so we hope that things uh you know follow so it what would you what well, obviously we talked about we talked about that you know the lack of crowds in european football games and how how that's been different with the home advantage and stuff like that but you know that's another thing isn't it if they can get the season going in september and everyone's fine with it and there's no you know players are safe etc then great but how do you think that looks with no fans in the stadium obviously i wouldn't care i just thing. want it i just want it back i wouldn't care i know but do you think that it could be a bit shit like do you think it could oh, yeah be of course bit, it would of course it do you would think but it, it would be like you know potentially like not feel that exciting or because the, the crowd really nfl games i mean anyone that's been to an nfl game you know it doesn't matter if it's in london or in the us they are absolute cauldrons yeah no i agree but what else are you gonna do i don't i don't think in and all of it taken out does it feel like a bit of a practice sort of i think it could be you know Soccer, you sort of get. I mean, it's not great at the moment. Like we watching these games without crowds, but it's palatable. I think the NFL actually would suffer worse from it. I think the NFL is all about the experience and the the noise and the you know the signals. I just I think it would feel a bit poor. I think it, massive, yeah, of course it would. But what else are they going to do? I just think they have to do it. You know, um, no, and no, if I think I think on the they'll do exactly like like the broadcast over here is doing. They won't have players. Uh, sorry. They won't have fans in the stadium, but they'll probably pump out crowd noise on the um, on the broadcast itself. So, yeah, of course it's going to be weird, but these are weird times and we've just got to get on with it. And it's football, and if it comes back, then that's going to be a massive, massive bonus. Uh, and it's just one of those years that we're going to look back on and think, yeah, that was weird, but they did what they had to do. That's, that's I d- don't know, that's my feeling on it. Just get on with it. You're sounding like you're putting yourself up for the commissioner's role here, Sam. Oh my God! Last week, mayor of Cincinnati. This week, the NFL commissioner. Is there no? Is there no end to my power grabbing <laughs> maniacal? Like, yeah. I could just see you with an iron fist at the negotiating table, so oh, just yeah. telling the players, "Get on with it. Go on, boys. Yeah. Get out of it. Go on." Yeah. Uh, Bianca Verdi at Bianca Verdi. Just super. Ex- just super excited about our new team and hoping for the best. I think we built rebuilt well. And I'm looking forward to seeing the new position groups come together. So many fresh faces throughout the team. Particularly excited about the linebacker room. From threadbare to well-stocked. He goes on. If an unsuccessful team wants to change direction, it has to press the reboot button. I think we've done that and done it well. If we do the same next window, we can rebuild in the right way and hopefully have the successful team we all want. Excited to be a Bengals fan right now. Now, there's a sentence we haven't heard too often in the recent past but bianca verde has just supplied it there we go nice bit of positivity uh, positivity there from bianco verde and of course um the real cruel uh, thing would be is if we've assembled all this talent on one year deals etc etc and there is like half a season or something you know um but that's uh something we can all talk about uh later on down the line memphis soul stew at stuart bears 688 looking back was or is there another team you have a soft spot for for me in the 80s i almost followed the bucks as their kit was pretty cool luckily i got a thing for tigers um for me i like the saints they had some fantastic linebackers in the late 80s pat swilling and all that lot um i think they were called the dome patrol weren't they um yeah, I like the Saints because I kind of like New Orleans, the idea of New Orleans at least. 
Uh, I like the Lions because I loved watching Barry Sanders play. He was fantastic. And I like the Falcons for some unknown reason. That's kind of about it, really. What about you? I've always, if I had to pick a second team, I thought I'd go with the Steelers, to be honest. I'm kidding. I'd go Seahawks for me. Seahawks. I've always loved the city of Seattle. Really cool place. Um, great fans. They've always had some good teams. I think Pete Carroll's a really good head coach. Yeah. Um, Marshall and Lynch is a cool player. Russell <clears throat> Wilson's incredible as well. I mean, he is one of the most fun players in the league, I think. Um, yeah. I think they'd be my second team. I would have to say, not my second teams. I don't. I'm not a big fan of second teams, but yeah, I know what I mean. yeah, team yeah. I've got a, a soft spot for. Okay, thank you, Stuart. Dom at Bumbling Bengal. Say the Bengals don't re-sign WJ3 after this season. Which position is a bigger need for the 2021 draft? Cornerback or guard? Um, I would say because you got Trey Waynes and. Um, Mackenzie Jefferson. No, not Malia. What am I saying? Um, Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. Um, I would have to say guard um, for me. I think I'm like we've said before. I'm, I'm a real big believer in bulking out that offensive line and retooling it. I mean, there's you know we've done that a little bit. There's a few uh, extra players there, but you know, be interesting to see what we have got with Xavier Suafilo. See if he's much of an upgrade on John Miller from last year, but. Um, for me, guard, definitely. The more pieces we can add to that line, the better. I'm going in a different tact. I'm going cornerback all the way because if we lose William Jackson, uh, we're in desperate need of a new starter. And I think cornerbacks are more of a premium position than guard. You can kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that is definitely a first-round pick potential, a cornerback. Um, at least a first two, you know... You can basically pick up a half-decent guard in rounds three, four, or five. Uh, but to pick up a really starter-quality cornerback, you are looking at rounds one and two, I have to say. So, I, you know, uh, Trey Waynes, I think, has signed a three-year deal. Um, Mackenzie Alexander has signed a one-year deal. If they don't pick up William Jackson, which I think is still up in the air... Uh, 50-50 um, I, I, I would expect actually to be that would be the team's number one need next year uh, I really do depending on wide receiver situation there might be a sneaky need at running back depends ha what's happening there uh, you know you've got a good looking at least young linebacking core right in there so hopefully they they will show signs of improvement this year uh, you you can't like you. I'm a big fan of the trenches as well. I mean, I would I would, you know, get just give me pass rushes and pass blockers all day long. But I think if they don't, if they decided not to go with William Jackson, I think cornerback is is going to be number one need next year. I, I they've got cap room down the Bengals as well, and I really do hope they go they re-sign William Jackson. I think he's a really good player. I know he's missed some time with injury, and I think few people said that last year he played with an injury and that might have been a reason for his sort of downturn in performance but I think there's more to come from him and I, I really do hope that you know if it's a, a reasonable uh, deal for both sides we could get that done we shall see Martin Greer at Martin Greer 73 everyone loves an acronym so can you think uh, of one for the current offense or defense I'll go with Joe Burrow's BAM offense Boyd AJ Mixon who day and keep up the good work. Whoa, that uh, requires some thought, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I think that's going to be one for us to come back on. Yeah, so. I think so. No one wants to listen to us thinking uh, in silence. So, Martin, if that's okay with you, mate, we'll come back to you on that one next week. Tom at uh, Wagat Dubdidi. People used to talk about the Dalton line as he was the middle of all QBs in the league. Who do you think is the most average of all Bengals players on the roster? That's a solid question. That is Tom. I like that question. I like that a lot. Peter Dadswell um, has come up with, uh, at Dadders, uh, Sean Williams, just like Dalton, decent without being spectacular, never truly terrible. When surrounded by better, his levels improve. And I, I'm i going to go with that. I think I, I, I agree with Pete there. I think Sean Williams is a good shout. And that's not, uh, you know, a knock on Sean Williams particularly, but... You know, he's 
he's a, he's a solid player without being you know he he can have some really good games and there's some pretty average games. So I'm going Shaw Williams. I think it's a good shout. I'm going Giovanni Bernard. Hello. I think he's bang average. I think that you know he's got he's got the speed and the elusiveness, but I think he lacks the sort of um, the real sort of big strength to be like a top top running back. Um, I just think he's bang average. I don't think he's a bad running back by any means. I think you know I love watching him run. I think he's an exciting player to watch when he's got the ball in his hands. But he's not a top ten running back. There's no way, and I don't think he's a bottom half running back. Geo. I just think he's sort of a you know, if, you, if he was to be your feature back and you gave him the ball 15, 20 times a game, <laughs> maybe threw it to him a few times out of the backfield, got him involved in the passing game, he's quite a good blocker. I think he's probably about, you know, the sort of meridian line of, of running backs. It's not a bad shout. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one because, you know, I think we all love Gio because of the personality that he is and he's a fantastic guy. Um, and when he has flashed, my God, he's got a real X factor about him. Certainly in his earlier years, when he really did make things happen, um, he's just not been used that much, really. And that's a real no, shame. That's, that, that's the thing, and I think you know the Bengals really, really heavily have given Mixon that job. Like it's Mixon's job, and there's you know Geo is one hundred percent the second guy in that room, and yeah, it is a bit of a shame because I always, I always do think that he's a very good player, Geo, but he's just, I don't know, he's never sort of taken that step to sort of being elite has he he's always been good he's been a, a productive player for us and um you know he's had some good games but he's just never ever sort of i don't think broken into that sort of top 10 realm of running backs no uh finally duncan needon at slam dunk the funk solid handle uh having recently seen a po- you might not say that after hearing his tweet having recently seen a post on instagram of your co-host sipping prosecco do you find this behaviour acceptable? I expected better, to be honest. Well, Hashtag he's changed. Duncan should know. It was a nice bottle of champagne that I was indulging oh, in. Had a friend yeah. over at the weekend, celebrate, you know, at seeing someone outside, pulled out the champagne. So, you know, Duncan can um, smoke on that. Okay, well, there's nothing wrong with a bit of Prosecco either. Right, there we go. That's your lot for this week. Thank you so much for listening in these weird, troubled times. Do stay safe out there, won't you? Be, and behave. Uh, <laughs> behave, all Behave, all of you. Um, seriously, thanks for listening. We, we love doing this still, and, uh, you know, we love having you along uh, for the ride. That sounds a bit cheesy, doesn't it? Um, however... Um, we will be back next week with more stuff. I'm not sure, quite sure what yet, but I've, we've got a couple of interesting guests lined up, as ever. Thank you for all the feedback on the Tommy Smith episode last week. It seems to have really struck a chord with a lot of people, which is fantastic. And again, it was a real honour to speak to Tommy. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Do contact us with any anything you want to get off your chest at today underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on uh, facebook um but yeah until then you know it's a who day for me and a who day for me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the cincinnati bengals organization